welcome to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines, changing the conversation around divorce. This show is sponsored by Penguin in the Room. Penguin in the Room is an award-winning arts, marketing and social media management company. If you want to jazz up your socials and have someone Instagram and tweet for you, then here's your answer. Go to www.penguinintheroom.com. As always, hit subscribe to make sure you're updated about new episodes. And we love to hear from you on social media at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. You can also email us all the infos on our website, thedivorcesocial.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss plushcare.com slash weight loss I am joined by Natasha Orgila welcome to the divorce social thank you thank you for having me how does it feel when I say that word to you divorce oh it's been a long journey for me with that word right now in the present moment I honestly couldn't give a fuck for the word divorce and the whole stigma that comes with it, with the process that I've been on. But divorce as a subject matter is something that's followed me around since quite young because I come from a divorced family and my parents divorced late 80s and it was um, quite rare in those days. So growing up, we, we were always known as the kids that were from the divorced home. And even during marriage, that got brought up a few times to me. So as a word, it it haunts me, I feel like. But as a process that I've now been through and was feared to go through it due to seeing experiences of my mom and other people within the South Asian community, I I was really scared of it and to go through that. But having gone through it and now on the other side of it, I just feel liberated. (laughs) What was that like for you when you were younger? Because my parents separated, but never actually got divorced. And then eventually my dad passed away. But at the time, I think a couple of my other friends had had parents separating. So it felt like it wasn't as big a deal like in my social group. But how was it to be known as the like kids of the divorced parents? It was hard, to be honest, because there wasn't any other people within our family unit and the community that were also from a divorced family that we knew of. But at the same time, 
they divorced when we were very young. My my brother and sister, like there's only a year's difference between us. So I was three, my sister was two and my brother was one. So we actually don't know any different. And then my mum moved away quite far away and we just got on with life, I guess, until we transitioned back into the family quite some years later. But we were very much aware of the fact that we were different or seen as different because we didn't have a dad present at family functions and that reflected in the way that other people would speak to our mom and that really did affect us but it also made us so close that we would we'd walk around events and we'd see each other as as siblings and has anyone said anything to you so we've we've become like a little unit and um yeah to have that relationship with them I'm so grateful for and I think that as a, as a set of siblings we deserved that for going through what we did go through as younger children. And how is divorce viewed in the South Asian community, both then with your parents and now with you? So then for my parents, I can only imagine it must have been terrible because nobody got divorced in those days. It it was so rare and it didn't matter how bad it was, you stay married And when your whole family are also telling you, no, we will not support your divorce, you do get disowned. Yeah, I think we've come come away from that slightly in the sense of they do want their their, their daughters to be happy as opposed to them looking happy for the community. But there still is a huge stigma around it and they will really expect you to bend over backwards to meet the expectations of your husband or your in-laws and and what the community expects for you of being a married woman. So religiously, you can't get divorced in, in the religion that my background is, which is Sikhism. But as a culture as well, it's very much frowned upon. How do you go about getting divorced? If you had a Sikh uh, marriage and union, presumably you've also done the kind of registry office signing. Yeah. So you'll do the legal divorce, but you can't get divorced in the eyes of your kind of Sikh religion. So how do you cope with that? I find it quite hard because my Sikh ceremony meant so much to me. Marriage meant a lot to me. And the union in marriage, when we get married, it is um, a connection to God and you're both going to go forward with that path. So from um, the legal side of it, I really didn't care that I was having to sign a document that said I was now divorced from this person because I wanted him completely out of my life in every way by that point. That I just didn't want to interact with that type of energy. I just wanted it all closed. And luckily that happened for me very quickly and I didn't have to go through so much. But the other side of it in terms of the religious commitment that I made, that was very hard for me. And I did go to like the temple quite a lot and I spoke to the religious people there. And I, I didn't have any control out of anything. It was totally not in my hands, so... I knew that I just had to concentrate on myself and accept that this is what my life is. This is the route my life is now going down. And so does that mean if you get married again, you won't be able to have a Sikh ceremony? I will be because I know of so many people that are and, and Sikhism as, as a religion, like we want to be very open and very supportive. And I think it is the cultural and religious clash that is the big battle I also think there's a real lack of education on what marriage really is and how we as a religion view it and do your views align with that and if they do 
lovely have a Sikh ceremony and get married in that way. And if they don't, then maybe for the, that moment you just do your legal marriage. And if you get to that point where it aligns with what the actual Sikh marriage is, then you get married. But it doesn't really work like that. As long as you you go to the temple and you've got your license, you're able to get married. And a lot of the time you're able to get married without even having the understanding of what your marriage is. Is there a pressure on people to get married in a Sikh ceremony? I think everybody wants it regardless of whether you truly know what it means. And also it's it's incredible. We get to dress up and there's this glamour. And as a kid, there's so much pressure on you and so many conversations surrounded about your marriage and the man you're going to marry and your wedding day that it is it's like your whole life is consumed by it so you do want it in that Sikh way and I think it just comes down to having that education of what the Sikh values are and what that commitment actually means and I I feel like when we educate on that and we take that understanding the foundations of your marriage are stronger because without that it's very easy to get divorced I didn't even um, communicate with my divorce and it still went through the court and I had no, nobody even wanted to ask me or check to see if I was still around, but they continued it and I just kept receiving an email with an update and before I knew it, I was divorced. So was your divorce driven by the other party? In terms of paperwork and a legal aspect, I would say so, yes. But I didn't know I, until two days before I received the paperwork, um, he called me and told me that he'd put an application in for a divorce and I'm going to get the papers in the morning. Oh, wow. So you had no idea? No. So when you received that call saying you're going to get divorce papers, where were you in, in your life? Were you still living together? Had you moved out? What had been going on, if you don't mind sharing that? So I had been moved out of my marital home for just over two months, I'd say two and a half months, which was three hours away from my the home that I come from, my parents' home, my mum's house. I lost my baby in June, quite late in my pregnancy. Um, I'm really sorry to hear that. Oh, thank you. Um and following that, I was sent back to my mum's house for a couple of days to to rest. Really, when a woman gives birth, you don't go, you don't really leave your house for four to five weeks. You're supposed to stay at home and rest. But my former husband at that time, I felt that he was struggling and I was struggling and I thought that was the right thing to do. So I went back to my mum's house and this wasn't my home I didn't have my comforts here I stayed for a night and I felt very anxious I was also grieving my body was hurting I delivered a baby and my breast was still leaving milk when I was driving up the M1 and it was just so much and I got here and I was like what am I doing like I need to go back and then I've called and I said I'm going to come back and he said no you're not this isn't your house anymore I'm divorcing you wow and this was this on the day that you'd given birth? No, this was eight days later. Wow. And how did that feel, if you can even describe it? I think on one side I was so consumed with 
grief that I've, that we've, we're going through losing a baby. And I was, it, I was just felt almost grateful that I'm able to see the side of him and I didn't want to participate in it because I understood that we're going through something that is so testing and this is what really is going to show your default character and what you are and seeing him in that way and, and it got worse with time so this in me built up and gave me more strength it made me realize that actually I don't want to have a partner like that I don't want that to be a reflection of me I don't want to share bringing the responsibility of bringing another soul into this world the way that it is with parents like that and that gave me so much strength um in my in my faith in God that he that my path was totally redirected and I decided not to make a decision. I let him say what he wanted to say. I kept it quiet for a little while from my family. But obviously people found it strange that I was back in in my mum's um, my house. Why wasn't I with my husband and my in-laws? And Because I, we lived with our in-laws. Well, with my in-laws. He actually lived in Dubai for pretty much the whole of the marriage. It's a bit of a long story and there's so many loops within this and layers within it. But just going back to the divorce, yeah, I, I decided that I wouldn't make a decision because when I was in, in prayer, funnily enough, I felt like I kept hearing like, don't, don't shout, don't swear, don't lose your temper, stay patient and stay calm and like just stay with me and, and you'll get through this. So I trusted in that gut feeling and that higher self voice that I was hearing for the first time. And it, it got me through it. And it got me through it very quickly, actually. Within, um, I, so I stayed in Derby then, and it was then my son's funeral four weeks later. I went back to that town for the funeral and then back to my mum's. And then from then, the next day, I, I, I knew mentally physically, emotionally, spiritually, religiously. I was absolutely exhausted and I needed to understand about my brain. This is how I was thinking. So I woke up every morning, I recited prayer and then from there on for four to five months, Monday to Friday, nine till five, I was on my laptop learning about the brain, learning about the body, how can I heal, how can I get better? That's some real dedication. You took your grief and then you turned it into, right, I'm going to learn, you know, how how my brain's working. I mean, I can't imagine how you got through that time. And I'm so glad you did. And you're here with us today. Thank you. How did you manage to deal with all of these things going on in your head? So you're grieving for your son you're planning his funeral, your ex wants to divorce you. Did it feel like he was blaming you for what happened, which obviously wasn't your fault? I've been asked that a few times. And during that time period, although he was saying he wanted to divorce and we did go weeks without communicating, but there was periods where we did. And I, I knew how much I was hurting and I knew how much he would be hurting as a father. So I was able to hold space for him still. I felt so much compassion for him. 
and and I also loved him very much. I'd I'd been with him for like eight nine years of my life, so as much as I kind of knew that my marriage was over, I still didn't want to be a bad person, and that's what got me through it because I knew throughout the whole period that I was a decent person and I, I didn't really deserve this. So I don't need to make my life harder for myself. I don't need to tell myself, yes, you're this, yes, you're that. Yes, it's true what they're saying about you. If deep down in my heart, I know it's not. So I just decided, fuck what everybody thinks about me and is saying about me. I know me and I have a relationship with God and I will speak to him about things. And in the meantime, I will learn to better my thoughts, lift my own vibration so I can get back up again and I can rebuild because I am not going to let this man ruin my life. And I'm sick and tired of hearing about the stories that I hear within the community of another girl from being married in an Indian home that she's mistreated. You know, talking about the South Asian community that you were in and are still in, how were you treated at that time as a grieving mother but also as someone getting a divorce. I'm fortunate that like both my parents absolutely supported me and they wanted me to come home. Same with my siblings. And and also I was really fortunate that my former in-laws were very supportive of me and showed me a lot of love and a lot of compassion and gave me so many apologies. I didn't find it hard in that way from what my inner unit is like, but I was constantly conscious of what's my auntie's going to say or now I'm going to have to face this or when somebody sees me, they're going to see me as a, a divorcee. And I had to overcome that fear that I'd carried from so young and I confided in somebody and married them and told them this is a real big fear of mine because I come from a divorced family and I don't want to be divorced this commitment in marriage means so much to me that through thick and thin, we have to stick together. But he he obviously didn't take the same commitment to that. And at, at one point, I was totally on the line of, I don't think I will ever get married again. But I love love and I love marriage. And I love that feeling of, like when I, I watched my best friends, two of my best friends got married a, a couple of weeks ago. And I had the time of my life. It was incredible. And everyone was thinking around me, are you okay? Are you? And I'm like, no, like things like this don't trigger me no more because I've sat with myself for a long period of time and I've, I'm, I'm on this healing journey. So I don't have to be against men. I don't have to be against love and I don't have to be against marriage. I just have to accept that I'm going through a process and if it's for me, the time will come right for me. And whilst I can, whilst everybody else in my circle is enjoying it, I too can for them. And that makes me happy. That's so nice to hear. It is funny going to weddings, isn't it, as a divorced person? Because I've had weddings where I remember the first wedding I went to and I was like really scared that I was going to be triggered and that I was going to burst into tears or whatever. And actually, I just had a lovely time and I flirted with a man. And it was yeah. <laughs> but then more recently, I went to a wedding and I got scared again, even though I've been to a few since then. Um, but I got scared, I think just after the pandemic, I got really scared before I went and was like, oh, my God, I'm going to be like the divorced one. And they're celebrating love. And here I am like 
I've got a divorce podcast and I'm like <laughs> living the divorce life. But actually, again, you know, I went and just had a great time and none of my fears were yeah. kind of substantiated. Do you remember your first wedding after getting divorced? Were you scared? Yeah, I was absolutely terrified. And it was only in June, actually, this year. And the reason I was so terrified was because it was a close family wedding. So it was the first time I would see my whole family since I've gone through baby loss and and divorce and being back at my mum's home. And the sad thing is the most thing that I was upset and scared about was because I felt a lot of anxiety and I, and I felt a lot of hurt because nobody really came to see me. No, but I didn't get messages. I had messages from them congratulating me on my pregnancy. So people knew that I was pregnant, but I didn't have anybody from my extended family in that way show their respects for the son that I lost. So that too gave me more strength in a way because I felt like I really had to honour him and show show that he was a part of my life. He's a part of my journey. Um, so I, I had so many conversations with myself that when someone says to me, I'm sorry to hear about this or, or whatever, I will refer to the fact that, yeah, it's okay, I have a baby in, in the skies and acknowledge him rather than being quiet about it. But nobody said anything. So, And it was fine because maybe it wasn't the right time, I don't know. But I found it funny that people still had the time to come and ask me if I was just staying here for the weekend before I went back to my marital home. Knowing that I've been back in my hometown for like two years and I know that they know but this is the types of things that happen and I was I was prepared for that but when it still happened it I froze and this big speech and I'm gonna stick up for myself nothing came out (laughs) it's so hard isn't it because you plan all these things in your head of like right people are going to ask me about the divorce or whatever or mention it and I'm going to say this and it's going to be fine I'm going to stick up for myself and then yeah when you are faced with all those people you haven't seen and and all the weight of their expectation it is so hard to say all the things that you've planned yeah I can't imagine what it must have been like for no one to acknowledge you know your son but still be acknowledging the fact that you, you know, weren't living in your marital home. Did a part of you just want to scream at them? No, because by that point I'd gone through, I'd been isolated, been in my own company, that I just got so comfortable with who I am and what I am. And I don't mind if they don't show up for me in that way because is better right and they and they just bounce out of your life like that because life is too short and I don't have energy for this anymore like it's growing up it's always been a little bit difficult within a large family a large Asian family and and I I I actually loved it because I was from the divorced home I loved the idea of family I love my culture I love my traditions and I love my elders but growing up in a very mixed environment and obviously my name is Natasha. So I would sometimes not fit in with the South Asian community. And then I wouldn't fit in very well with the Caucasian community. And it was just hard sometimes in that way. So I think I'm just really comfortable with myself now and owning my story and what I went through. 
and not feeling like I can't discuss it because it makes me look bad or it makes my family look bad because it doesn't and when we start discussing things and talking about them only then can we really start understanding how we can change them how can we change the narrative so that the next generation don't go through this and they don't see this if anyone's listening and a friend of theirs has just lost a a child um, maybe in a similar way to you and you said that no one acknowledged your son what would be a good way do you think for them to acknowledge their friend's loss what is it that you wanted at that time well I think the people that matter they will know because I was fortunate that I've got lovely friends I've got my siblings that were really there for me I think it's just go there sit with them that's it I actually had a conversation with some of my best friends recently because they all came to see me in a collective group and it was intense for me and I couldn't speak. After that, I didn't see them again. And I said to them, I think I would have just appreciated if one of you would have just come and made me a cup of tea. Even if I didn't speak, it would have just been nice that you came. And that's enough sometimes. It's hard to know what to say. And even I don't know what I would always say to somebody else in that situation because it's so different for everybody so you've got to just go with your heart and follow your purest intention and just be a bit present and a bit visible if you've got somebody that's gone through a loss like that and what about um someone in the south asian community getting divorced and feeling that kind of stigma and pressure is there anything that you learned through doing it yourself that you think would help someone else if you if you are in an environment where everybody's supportive of you then great share that with other people as well there's many platforms now discussing discussing things like this because I think as a younger generation or a middle generation we're more aware that there needs to be this change but if you're struggling with elders I think it is about sitting down and really trying to educate them and letting them know how unhappy you are and not being scared to show them that it is hard because their answer to everything is like when I did try it once or twice I was constantly told just to keep my mouth shut just sit down and stay quiet and do not speak back and and I did I, I even tried that I lost myself completely And it's just not worth it. Life is too short. I'm so happy. I'm so grateful. I don't know what my life is going to hold, but I'm open to it. And I think it's great that I've got a second chance of experiencing a a new love, a new marriage. It's not the end of the world. And they find somewhere else to talk about very quickly. (laughs) (laughs) When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a -a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. 
Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's the ad break. So it's a perfect time to remind you to hit subscribe to be notified about more episodes. You can also leave us a lovely review because honestly, it makes a difference to the chart positions. And one time I was in the charts next to Michelle Obama and I was really thrilled about it. So it'd be nice to do that again. You can also join in the conversation on social media. We're on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod. We have a website thedivorcesocial.com and you can also join us for our like 90s style divorce chat room experience over on Patreon. So just go to patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines, B-A-I-N-E-S and it starts at £2 a month and we all have lovely and awful and amazing chats. See you there. So what do you think got you through that time? Because it sounds like your faith did and your connection with God, was there anything else or was your focus really there? I feel like it was um, going through being pregnant, carrying a child, delivering that child and and holding him. It it made me see life in a different way. And I read a book about two weeks after my son's funeral, I read a book and that helped me. It was a psychotherapist from New York who took somebody under regression therapy and some of the messages were delivered for him and it turned out he'd actually lost a child um, with a similar condition to my child and he spoke about what can we do to understand what that soul's mission was and his interpretation was and the messages he delivered was that soul chose you as his parents to balance out some sort of karma so something good has to come from this. So I really focused on that light and the love that I felt from carrying a child, from delivering him and from getting to be a mom and feel that. It's incredible. It made me completely change lanes in life. How have you taken that on, obviously, after your son has gone up into the skies? It's taken me a long time and a lot of work. It took me over a year to say, my baby. Before that, it was the baby. And I, and I wouldn't really discuss, I don't really still discuss how I feel about it. I write, but I don't really talk about it because I find it so hard. But I, I'm now able to say my baby. I can hold babies in the family now. I can see them and not feel so much hurt. It's always there, but I'm, I'm able to still be a bit more present in the moment. And then I can reflect on the hurt I felt 
a bit later on when I'm grounded and I'm able to connect a little bit and I can meditate because that helps me a lot. And how did you get through that stage from saying the baby to my baby? Do you think it's just time? Yeah, I think it's time. I think my sister helped me a lot um, and her children. I have two nieces um, and being around them and having like that childlike love and innocence almost because they were also aware. So the fact that they acknowledged it and my eldest niece, who was six at the time, she told me, I'm so sorry to hear about your baby. I think God's going to give you a new one though, I promise. Oh. And I just couldn't believe it. And I was like, there's something so special about these children and I have to be a good role model for them and I have to show them that no matter how hurt you might get, you, you've got the strength within you. There's something really powerful within us and divine that we can tap into and connect and overcome it. And there's a lot of darkness within that as well. I've gone back and I've visited childhood traumas, patterns. I've looked and, and I didn't want to do that because it's, it, you do feel like if you say something against your parents or something that you don't agree with, that you're being disrespectful and I think it is perceived like that by my my mother as well. But I don't mean it in that way. It's that I'm now healing that and I have to acknowledge that and go back and sit with that younger child and go through all these things because I think that's there's a lot of reasons as to why I allowed myself to be so mistreated by a man because it goes back to childhood patterns. What did we learn in those crucial years and how was our brain wired and what were the role models that we had? Ultimately, that shapes our beliefs. So I needed to go back and heal them and teach myself new beliefs and new patterns. And I did that by meditating twice a day, morning and night. Um, and I followed um, a, a neuroscientist and I, I basically feel like I self-taught myself because these workshops are so expensive so every resource I could find, that's what I did with prayer and with just knowing that I can get back to my old self. I had a bit of humor in it. We would have a laugh about him, about the whole situation, about some things he would call me. So yeah, I, laughter, laughter always helps, I think. Or being a comedian, laughter has helped me a lot yeah. and also making other people laugh helps me yeah. as well um heal myself and I think it's so interesting that you kind of looked up these kind of neurological facts about your brain and, and healing where do you think the idea from that for that came from my friends always say to me I've got a very logistical mind frame so I think naturally that helped but also and I knew what I was going through was too much for me to process without without me breaking apart. And I did not want to break apart. So the real trigger for it was I would wake up in the nighttime in, with pain in my body, so much pain in my legs. And I couldn't understand why my body was hurting me like this T to the point where I, I would be in tears and I'm not really... I feel like I'm not really that type of person. So I knew something really deep was affecting my body. And I knew it was coming from the thoughts that I had because I know that our brain doesn't know the difference between imagination and reality. 
So every single time I'm reliving the things that he said to me or that I'm, I'm affirming, yeah, it was me or I was too much or, or, or whatever it might have been, that I was making my body believe that I'm going through that whole process again. So I need to go and learn about the brain because when I learn about it and I understand it, I'm, I'm more able to commit to it. And as soon as I saw and I studied brain waves and brain patterns and, and anything that I could find, and that was it. It was like, it, it felt like everything was just a sign from the universe. Sometimes I'd be laughing. I'd feel like I would actually have a laugh with God. Like, are you serious? And, and other times it would have been like, I can't believe the state of my life. I'm crying over my prayer book at five in the morning. Somehow I'm still getting up to pray to you like I know you're gonna help me and I just very quickly got back to myself I would say within I think within a month and that's what allowed me to also be there for my former husband when it did hit him when that grief did catch up for him and he did call me and wanted to speak to me because when I wanted to speak to him and I needed to speak to him he wasn't there for me and I thought I'm not going to do that to him still so I didn't feel like I needed to add to it I thought I'm leaving it in the in the court of God and in this physical realm I know that I'm solid I'm going to be all right I don't need you to fail in life for me to feel happy I don't want that for you either you're still the father of my son half of my son is you I don't want to hate you Wow. The amount of compassion you have for your ex is amazing. I think I I don't have that and I, you know, haven't also had the experiences you've had. Um, I think I'd be very angry. I'd be like, no, you wouldn't take my call. I'm not going to take yours. So, <laughs> I mean, wow. For Oh, no, but don't get me wrong. I did tell him about himself often. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I went through that whole process. And, and also, I think what I was doing was writing. So whilst I was writing um, about how I felt about grief and my connection with with God, I was also being very real to this this raw emotion that I have in me because I am quite a fiery person and I'm not naturally somebody that is going to allow you to walk over me, yet I did. In my head, all I could think of is I can't believe how much exchange of energy I've had through other people because you've consistently been having a double life and, and sleeping with multiples of women. But to me, you're swearing by my life, you've been faithful to me and I've believed you. And that really affected me. So I, I, I had a lot of hatred for him at, at that time. And, and I did vocalise it at some points, of course, we're women. I've, if I was going mad on my phone or I was on the phone, but then I thought I would channel it by writing and I'd be true to how I'm actually feeling. Even if it's not nice, even if I don't like that person that I'm showing myself in, that's still there and I have to be real to that so some of that I feel like I might release at some point on um, on my blog because it shows the reality of actually it wasn't all lightness and fairies and connecting to the universe it was dark it was deep I was raw I, I was funny with it I think and vocal about it. if I wanted to call him something I would call it him and that helped me a lot as well, actually. And when I read back, I think it's brilliant. I love it. <laughs> Some of it even rhymes. And I'm like, whoa, I was writing a flow on that day. <laughs> 
I want to talk to you about writing. How did that come about? Is that always something you've been interested in or is it just a way to get all your emotions out? Yeah, I think in in our culture, we don't speak much about our emotions and my role models around me as as women as well, they're very strong. They're, they're the women that hold the house together, really. It seems like it's the man, but it is the female. Um, so, and I'm, I am an emotional person. I, I, I feel a lot. I want to process that, but I felt like it was strange. So I used to write privately and then delete everything after I'd got it out. Like I'd write about how much I love the sky and how much um, I love whatever I've seen that day, the ground, the earth, the views, the greenery, or I've had a nice conversation with somebody and I'd remember something key that they said to me and I would write that down. But then I thought it was so strange because nobody else spoke about how they feel or what goes on in their thinking brain almost. And then when my, I was really, really close to my maternal grandmother and when she passed, I struggled so much. And I asked to go to counselling. But again, it was like the family looked at me like I was insane. Like, you don't need counselling. What do you mean? There's nothing wrong with you. So then I, I was like, oh, okay then. So I too thought there was nothing wrong with me, that I'm being over the top in my grief. And, and I didn't know how to process it. So I would write all night. And that's how I really like got through that. And when I was going through this again... I went back to that mindset of when I was last in my grief, when my grandma passed away, I, I I channeled it through writing so I can do it again. But this time you don't delete it. No, some of them I did, believe it or not. You've got a blog. <laughs> yeah, and, and even that I felt like I I'm, I'm, I wouldn't have been naturally a person that is so open and vocal in what I've experienced in my personal life. I, I want to be protective of it, but I recognised the the guidance that I'm getting and I've if I truly believe in this then I'm gonna follow that gut feeling and that intuition that I'm getting so it's been hard to make myself do that and take a different step in life but I'm glad that I have and I'm open to see where it goes and sharing some of my writings has been really really hard because it's been reliving it almost again when I'm copying it from my notepad because I've done it word for word I've not edited anything and going through that again was was quite difficult. So it's been a bit of a slow process. I'm not forcing myself. I just do it when and if I feel like doing it. And then eventually I am going to start talking about how I got better and what I learned from the spiritual aspect, the brain aspect, and how to me it all interconnects and universe and God and science and spirituality. It's all the same thing. <laughs> and what response have you had from your blog? I've had like people that are close to me um, be quite emotionally affected by it um, and they find it hard to speak to me about um, and they've read it very slowly um, I've had a couple of people reach out to me that said that they've read it and it really helped them to process some darkness that they've been going through but other than that I've not really been able to reach the types of platforms that I would like to reach where it can actually have some value because it's it's helping me to be honest to uh, dig deeper and heal that much more deeper so for that I'm grateful for. And where can people find this blog and and read your journey? So I have an Instagram account which is blue suburb that's b l u s a b a r 
And I also have a website, which is www.bluesubber.com. Um, and there you can like read a little bit about me. Well, it's a bit more than a little bit. Um, and then you can read <laughs> some of my, um, yeah, my journal entries, which I hope that they help somebody and, and people stick with it because I will get to a point where I want to be talking about things of how we can help each other and how we can help ourselves and the tools that I use that have benefited me. And also I will put in the research that I've got because I did write so much. That's amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for sharing your journey with us and also for um, sharing the story of your son. We really appreciate it. Thank you very much. And suburb, just to, just before we finish, suburb is patience and blue is obviously the colour of the sky and the seas and it reminds me of heaven. So I felt like visually I wanted this to look like when you have a bit of patience, you can bring a bit of heaven to earth for you. So I thought I would just leave with that. I love that. That's such a nice moment to end Thank on. You. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Oh, hi. Thank you for listening to The Divorce Social with me, Samantha Baines. Please leave us a review. Please, please. Um, It would be super nice. They're lovely to read. They keep me cheery and happy and keep me going. Uh, But also it affects our listing in the podcast charts, uh, which are very important because that's how more people find the podcast. And I'd love to help more people get through those really tough heartbreak and divorce times and they're more likely to find us if we're higher up on the charts. So if you'd like to leave a review, I'd love you forever. You can leave them on iTunes is the big one or most podcast platforms do them as well. I'll take all the reviews you've got to give. You can also uh, get in contact on Twitter and Instagram at DivorcePod and at Samantha Baines. We have a website, thedivorcesocial.com and we have a Patreon account, which means that you 
can support the podcast for as little as £2 a month. And it helps me with all the admin costs. It also means you have access to our 90s-style divorce and heartbreak chat room. And there's lots of exclusives on there, little bits of audio that you don't get in the main podcast, and some giveaways as well. So I'd love to see you over on Patreon. That's patreon.com forward slash Samantha Baines. And please leave a review. Did I say that already? Please leave a review. Love you forever.